Roll for initiative. Adventures and welcome to Everyday Dungeon Master, a podcast for the everyday DM and the players who love them. My name is Heath. I'm your spirit guide, host, journeyist. I don't know. I'm running out of words. I'm going to stop talking. And I'm joined today by guest DM Alana. Hey, nice to be here. So excited. So excited to have you. And we got a great show for you. So stick around as we talk lessons from a newer DM coming up next. Recording day is here, Alana. How are you? I am doing great. Much less nervous than I thought I would be. So this is going to be super exciting. Solid, solid. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm nervous every single uh, second of my life, which is, you know, anxiety, but also nervous every time I record a podcast. So, I mean, I get that. (laughs) I got this, you know, I got this reputation to uphold now, right? Uh, For the five people that listen to my podcast, they expect a certain level of service from me so you know <laughs> i feel like it's more than five right well I'm, you've you know, got to have more than five people subscribed i say five. i, I, I don't believe know. i don't really look <laughs> at it i look at it like once a, i look at it once a day once a month so <laughs> <Okay>. you know. <laughs> no it's, it's really cool to have you here thank you so much for agreeing to the madness that is this podcast and uh it's yeah it's great so um a little bit of a revamp on the intro here. And so different icebreakers. And so I, what I wanted to do is I asked you some questions regarding some factoids and gathered some interesting facts about you before we started. And now I get to just grill you on them. Uh-oh. Uh, so h- here we go. Are you ready? Yes. Hot seat. Let's do this. A great concept for a show is if I send everybody some hot wings and then <laughs> every time I ask them a question, they have to eat a hot wing. Is that, no. that's an original idea, I think? I think it is, but um, I will not be coming back because I cannot handle spice. Through and through Midwestern girl here. Okay. We don't have to tell anybody. They can all be garlic parmesan. Okay, deal. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's jump into icebreakers. I got my first one here. So outside of D&D, you mentioned that you are in operations for an investment company. That sounds thrilling uh sounds <laughs> that sounds like a good time sounds like a lot of paper pushing but uh do you do you enjoy what you do i actually love what i do so despite the fact that i'm extroverted outside of work i am super introverted at work and best part about my job besides my fun coworkers, is that i don't have to talk to anybody i don't even have a phone it's great <laughs> that's well that's a huge perk for sure um i have a work phone i have like a a cell phone that my company sent me and i it's it's always dead i think i just put it i put it in my laptop bag and then just leave it there yes leave it on so that it it never charges it's great listen and then i'm like oh they ask me like where your cell phone is and i'm like what to be honest with you i haven't seen that in a year so i don't know what you want me to say to you. But also, if you need to talk to me, just email me. I don't know why you have to phone call. Phone call me? Right. Is that a term people use? I, I don't know. I mean, 
It's 2022. Who knows anymore? It's true. That's probably the, yeah, I don't know. I don't know lingo. Well, that's cool. So it's really, it's so, so you enjoy it. Um, do you ever get lost thinking about D&D at work? Y- yes. <laughs> don't tell my boss. If you're listening, if you're listening, Alana's boss, if you're listening, just turn it off real quick. All right. We'll yeah, no, no, you, you didn't hear that. It's you didn't hear that. Another cool thing about my job is that, like, I don't want to call it repetitive, but you're checking the same boxes essentially on most things. So some sometimes I wander a little bit. Sometimes I get ideas for my campaign. Sometimes I'm like, oh, what if my players do this? How do I respond? <laughs> hey, it happens to the best of us. Because uh, I listen, I, I work maybe two hours a day and I and the other six is just uh, thinking about D&D. So, you know, it's nice. fine. That's how I prep. If I did, if I couldn't prep at work, I wouldn't. I would never run a session. So, <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. So, operation for investment company. That's cool. Um, and I know you talked about you love going on. One of the things you love is going on random adventures. So now I have to ask you a story. Like, what's the most random adventure you can remember going on? Um, I'm definitely. You know, I work from home, so after work, it's like get me out of the house. Yeah, as far absolutely. as the most exciting random adventure I've been on, like. Great question. Um, we, I just moved to Texas and my boyfriend and I just drove out to the lake one night just for fun. That was cool. Sweet. But yeah, it's kind of like a wherever the wind takes me sort of thing. Sorry, I don't have like a great explosion story for no, you, right. but I do. One of my bucket list things is to go to the airport, buy a the cheapest, well, maybe not the cheapest, but a one way international flight and just be like, this is where we're going today. And just go. And just go. And then just never, probably come, never come back. Because let's be honest, like international destinations are probably better than here. But I don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, I really want to live in Japan for two years before I die. That sounds great. That's a goal. Japan, I want to go. It scares me a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you. It scares me a little bit because I j- it just seems like it'd be such a culture shock. But I would, I think I would love it. You would love it. Highly recommend. I have never felt so at home away from home in my life. But um, yeah, I loved it there. It's great. Cool. I also have aspirations to live internationally at some point in my life. I don't care where it is. I'll take anywhere. I just want to live for like six months in a different culture, essentially. And so I can figure out like I can I can experience I can have a life experience that's not the United States. Yes. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. But that's awesome. Uh, That would be an epic adventure, I feel like. Like in Japan, anywhere specific, like Tokyo or like? My favorite was Kyoto. Okay, nice. I don't know. I'm kind of a city person besides the more rural you go, the less English they speak. And let's be real, Japanese is a hard language to learn. Um, Mm. But when I went, Kyoto was my favorite. Awesome. I mean, listen, uh, random random adventures are always fun in D&D or in life. Like... So going to the lake is great because it's just like, hey, we're just going to go and it's random and it's fun and it doesn't have to listen, people. OK, it doesn't you don't have to go far to have a fun adventure. That's the lesson we we've don't. learned today. OK, so now we have to move on to your favorite. So you said there's a bunch of stuff here. You said you, you love video games. You love yoga. You love anime. You love tea. What's your favorites? Give me the give me the quick rundown of your favorites of all of those things. They change. That's the problem. Okay, so the video game I'm playing the most right now is Ark Survival Evolved. Yes, I'm a PC gamer. Everybody get over it. It's the best. Um, (laughs) Yoga pose. That also changes all the time, but we'll go with pigeon. That's the actual 
English name. Yes. Um, anime. I have no idea. I haven't watched an anime recently. So somebody give me a recommendation there. And gosh, tea. Sometimes it's green teas. Lately, it's been uh, mates. So just wherever the wind takes me. Okay. All right. I'm a, I'm a black tea person myself. I don't know if that's a thing. Black orange. It's a Is thing. that pico? Peco? Pe- Is that how you say it? I don't know. Uh, anyway. Iced tea? <laughs> Whatever you make iced tea out of. I mean, I have that too. <laughs> but okay. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, also a big fan of passion tea. So there's that. It's a good one. But all right, all right, cool, cool, cool. So a PC gamer, right? I'm a, I'm a PlayStation gamer, but you know, that's all right. I, I forgive you for gaming on PC. It's no big deal. So moving down to, uh, we've got a couple more here. Rapid fire, a couple more. I've never played Magic the Gathering. You're a fan of Magic the Gathering. I've never played Magic. Why should I start playing Magic the Gathering? Um, It's a big strategy game. Okay. That's why I love it. Like the, if if you get the right group of people, you can like make deals and barter, like don't attack me this turn and I'll give you this. You know, plus it's kind of like, how do I outmaneuver you? I it's nerdy chess, we'll call it kind of with, with expensive cardboard. Also, also sounds like uh Catan, but like with attack uh, availability, like attack actions. Yes. That is kind, kind of similar brain power. I can't play Catan. So no one ever trades with me in Catan. Are they always, everyone just like, everyone just puts the wall up and they're like, don't trade with Heath. Rude. <laughs> and so I always lose Catan. But so I'm probably going to always lose Magic the Gathering. No, it's fine. You can just come out, come out swinging before anybody gets a chance to even realize what's going on. Just blitz attack. Okay, great. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say Alana told me that if I play Magic, I could just blitz attack. And I'm going to, I'm going to go to my first game and just do that. And we'll see how, and then I'll, I'll report back to you and tell you how it went. Perfect. I'll probably lose, but that's all right. <laughs> uh, all right last one real quick is this is the cra- i saved the craziest for last you learned to ski at 18 months not years everybody all right listen months do you remember anything from that experience being so young that was what the question i didn't ask a question i, I said a statement but it really was supposed to be a question the short answer is no. <laughs> um, so much no to the fact that I attempted to teach my college roommate and then boyfriend how to ski. And they're like, okay, how do I do this? And immediately I knew I was in trouble. Like before we even got on the chairlift, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. You just do it. Just like, just walk, move. I, I don't know. <laughs> so I actually had to have a friend come rescue me because I couldn't teach like please help that's amazing uh so it basically what you're saying is it's it's just second nature to you at this point like it's become you're just like i can just ski i just it's like i just know yeah yes yes i get made fun of for skiing better than i walk now what do you ski in texas uh, is that just like down sand or what <laughs> um well, I've only been in Texas for six months, so oh, okay. we'll All see right. what the the winter looks like. But my family has had a place in Colorado for eons, so that's I get to be snobby with my snow, and that's usually <laughs> where I am. You don't have to deal with the fake stuff; you get the real stuff every year. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I, you know what? Great that you're talented at a winter sport. I tried snowboarding one time. Uh, my friends. Uh, probably were like you, Alana. They just knew how to snowboard. They didn't know how to teach how to snowboard. 
And so I got out there. They paid for everything, too. They paid for my lift ticket. I get out there with my snowboard. It's a, it's a click-in. I don't know if that's the right term. It's a click-in snowboard. I don't know how to click in. They just told me to click in. They're like, just click in. Just click. And I said, I, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm clicking. And there's not, And the board wouldn't stay attached to my feet. I fell down the hill. Uh, it was a hot mess. I gave up in 10 minutes. And I've never tried a winter sport ever again. So there you Skiing go. Skiing is easier. Can confirm. All right. Well, then you know what? I'll actually I'll just go skiing and play magic at the same time for the first time. And maybe I'll just play magic as I'm skiing downhill. <laughs> and you can only ski on one foot. Okay. Done. Let's just add that in there. Done. You know what, guys? If I if the podcast ends all of a sudden, it's probably because I died somewhere on a ski hill. So good luck to everybody. It was great talking to you all. But <laughs> with that, that brings us to the end of our icebreakers, our blitz icebreakers. Alana, thank you so much for playing along on the torture of the torture <laughs> yeah. game that I like to call icebreakers. Ooh, good name. <laughs> I should I should just rename it that. So with all that, let's jump in to today's topic. So as I said at the top of today's episode, the topic today is lessons from a newer DM. So Alana, I'm going to start with an old icebreaker from my the old way I used to do this podcast, the old boring way, right? And now in every minute it's new and it's exciting and it's fun, but I got, a, I got an old icebreaker for you to kick this off. And I want to know a little bit more about your journey from uh, your journey to being a DM. Like, did you play before you DM? Did you jump straight into the DM role? How did that look? How did you get started? So uh, the first time I played D and D, I'd actually wasn't even fifth edition. It was in college. I think I played a whopping two sessions, um, and then you have to fast forward, I don't know, five years, and I go over to my brother's house one day, and they're playing Tomb, and he's like, "Hey, hop in." All right, let's do this. <laughs> um, and then fast forward probably another five years tomb fizzled out there was too many of us and my friends were like we want to play again but nobody was volunteering to dm so i'm like okay i'm usually more organized than the rest of you anyways so i volunteered so you volunteered as tribute to dm i did okay I did. all right and was there like were you were you nervous when you first started was there like things going through your head like uh like i don't know how to do this i got like an imposter syndrome how'd you overcome all of that oh my gosh it, it was so bad because all of my players are more they're even they're more seasoned players in dm in dnd than i am period anyways um how did i get over it feedback yeah i did my first couple and they're like hey that was great you know maybe try this maybe try that or think about it this way um, and honestly, the best thing they recommended me was just do a module. I was doing a bunch of one shots that I had found online for free. And they're like, mm, let's let's give you a module because it like breaks things down for you and you don't have to come up with so much on the fly. Yeah. So this is an interesting thing to talk about is like modules and things like that and, and versus like homebrew and coming up with your own world, coming up with your own games, things and stuff. But so when I when I first started. I tried to, I did, well, I never tried to run a module. I looked at a module and got so overwhelmed by the idea of having to like try to guide people through a, through a story that was pre-written for me. Uh, and so I gave up real quickly on that. But did you find it easier to run the module when on that suggestion? Absolutely. 
I think my biggest hurdle was probably not being a super seasoned player either. So I didn't have a lot of experience on the other end of the screen. Um, so after fumbling my way through some like rough outline one shots, having something a little more strict was helpful. I, I never looked at it as like, it has to go this way, but it was definitely helpful. Like the maps were already there and the NPCs were already built and they're like option ABCs typically where players go. You know, here's a backstory for this character. It was super helpful. It also allowed me to be able to give more than one session in the same story and like characters that level and awesome. I loved it. Well, I do love it. We're still playing. You're still playing. Uh, you're playing that same module or have you moved on to different modules since then? No, it's the same one. We're doing um, Icepire Peak. Ispire Peak. Okay. Uh, don't know anything about it, but that sounds like a fun name. So, <laughs> I mean, I've heard of that's it, cool. but I. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's really cool. I mean, I actually haven't talked to, I don't think I've talked to a DM yet that is really more of a like modular DM, um, or at least that's currently what they're doing. Um, and so it's actually really interesting to me. I, I got like turned off to modules because I, so I, I, I told you, I picked one up, tried to try to look at it for DM purposes, put it down immediately. Then I became a player in a module game and that DM like just, well, and this is a great question for you is do you, do you, do you allow your players to divert from the module from place to place? To be honest, I don't have a choice. <laughs> They're going to do it whether I like it or not, but I, absolutely. I'm big on the rule of cool. Uh, my players are pretty, a pretty derpy group. Like for example, we have two bards. <laughs> Just gonna just gonna leave that right there. Um, so yeah, they for the most part they stick to the outline. But our last session, they went way off script. Uh, it, it was great. Like it was one of those moments where I finally used my college education to you know bring something into the real world. <laughs> uh, well, I think you're probably maybe part of the ten percent in the population that actually uses their college degree once you graduate. So that's cool. First time, over time. <laughs> First time. Listen, I haven't used it yet, so you know you're ahead of me. It's one zero. All right. So maybe I'll figure out a way when I'm downhill skiing to also use my college degree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, I mean. Well, that was so, so it's cool that you allow I mean, any allow I say you said your players are going to do it anyway so you kind of have to go with the flow but I tried to go off script because I was really bored uh, it was we were playing Lost Minds of Fandelver and I literally was like hey can I go over and look at this and the DM was like no you can't like that's not part of the book and I was like this is stupid I'm done <laughs> yeah I, I would bounce that too it's funny that you say you were doing Lost Minds, because that is the one thing they requested me not do. Like, we played it so many times. Okay. Well, you wanted a level one campaign, so find me one. And that that's how we ended up with Icepire. They they had to pick it. So okay. So how long how long does it take to run? Do you know how long it takes to run usually like that module through? And do you and like do you guys play like weekly, bi weekly, like irregularly? Um, honestly, I have no idea how okay. it would take like it. I want to say there's maybe 12-ish. It's nine or 12 preset encounter quest things. Um, But we don't always get through it in one session. And we also only play once a month, typically, just scheduling conflicts and, like, my brain capacity with that group. (laughs) (laughs) And we're we're on hiatus 
until after okay. the Super Bowl because one of our players has to work weekends until then. So, gotcha. Okay, so it'll be a little while before you pick it back up. But hey, you know that's it's a lot of fun. Do you do you have an itch to play more D and D? Like, or do you have a group that you play in as well? I have two right now. Oh, I have okay. one before I left uh, Arizona, and now here in Texas, I have two. Solid. So, I mean, you're you're, you're getting D and D in, which is great. Uh, I want to play someday, so maybe one day I can play. Um, you know, but right now DMing is great, and so that's awesome. Um, well, I want to get to some of my other questions. I feel like I was just—I feel like I just went off script and just started talking, like having just a conversation, which is great. But then I'm like, well, then she's not going to get to talk about anything she wants to talk about while we're here. So. <laughs> My next question then would be for you is like, so what are some misconceptions or things that you believed about DMing that you were kind of proved wrong once you got like into it? That you have to have everything planned out already. And that okay. it has to be perfect. You can't mm. stumble. You have to know all the rules. That is not how that works. At all. That's that. Nope. Nope. I second that. I second that's not how it works. And that's a common misconception, right? I, th I think I honestly had a very... Uh, <clears throat> I had a version of that misconception as well when I started uh, and learned really quickly that like, no, like no one, even my players don't know the rules. So, I mean, okay. So, I mean, you know, and encouraging new DMs out there, I think that, it, what would you say? What's your, what's your biggest tip then for DMs? Out, I'll say not, not even newer DMs. I'm talking about people who specifically are like on the edge. They're on the, they're, they're on the edge about to jump into the DM seat or they want to dump, jump into the DM seat. What's your biggest tip for them on, uh, on conquering that, that transition? Just do it. Even if it's not perfect, even if you don't run a full module, just do it. Yeah. The first time you, it, you're not going to be perfect anytime, but the first time you'll probably fumble a little bit and that's okay. Cause honestly, it's more about having fun than sticking to the story. You know, you're, you're not an author. It's more, like you said in your intro, you're a spirit guide. So let the players write your story. I agree with that a hundred percent. I feel like players need to, well, I mean, and I think that there's a lot, like you kind of ties into what you were saying with the misconceptions is that, like you have to be perfect. You have to have everything planned out. Your play, you have to know, like you have to be able to like have everything planned out. You think your players are going to do right. Like you have to know your players and be like, well, they're going to, I know every single path. And that's not true because you're that takes away from your players agency a little bit. So let them pick their own path and then just kind of react around that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like, I just do it is probably the best way to sum it up. Honestly, that's a good, that was a great tip. I like that. Well, I'm, I'm glad that that works because I'm, I know personally someone was like, just, just try it. I'm like, um, I don't know, but yeah, really just do it. Absolutely. I get that. I get that reservation right where you're like, yeah, but it's, you, it's easy for you to say you're already in the, you're already in the chair. You're already doing the DM thing. So like, it's easy for you to be like, just do it. But honestly, that's what you have to do. No one was there for me when I started. No one was there like, Hey Heath, just do it. I was just like, well, if I want to play D and D I'm going to just have to DM Cause that's what the situation I was in. So I just, I just did it and it was scary as hell, but then it became less and less scary. And now it's the greatest time I've ever had playing a game with a bunch of people, a bunch of strangers at that too. So we have the same story, except I don't have strangers in my campaign. 
the first like I would say regular campaign I played, we were all strangers. I didn't I didn't know anybody walking into that. And now I'm really good friends with a handful of them. So strangers is not a bad thing. No, absolutely not. It's not. I like if you had asked me that uh if you'd asked me that like five years ago, I'd been like, Oh, I I couldn't do that. I couldn't sit down with her. I couldn't I couldn't improv or do voices in front of strangers. Are you kidding me? Like absolutely not. I would never and then here I am DMing for two years and like, nah, like I get on this podcast and just make a fool out of myself in front of anybody. It doesn't matter. It's, That's great. It's, That's great. So uh, I feel like D and D really just like improves your life skills overall. I think I talked a little bit about this on, on other episodes, but like just in general, there's so many skills. There's so many things you can learn as a DM that you can apply to the real world. But I feel like it's worth, it's worth for that just alone. It's worth DMing just for that purpose. Yeah, it's true. And actually, it's interesting that you touched on voices. That's another thing that I thought I was going to have to do. And I'm like, I have, there's so many NPCs. Like, how do I make voices for them all? And you don't have to. Right. If you want to, great. If you have that confidence, go for it. But you don't have to. Right. You don't have to. And honestly, like, save save your character voice. This is a good, like, good segue. It's like, save your character voices for the really, really, really important characters. Like, if you really want to have a differentiating voice or you want to have, like, a, something that stands out that sticks with your players, like, save it for, like, someone that's going to be with that party for a long time through, like, through many things. It, it makes sense. If you go to a village that's full of, like, villagers, chances are most of them are probably going to sound the same. Like it's, they're common. Like it's a, it's a group of commoners, right? Like I feel like, like when you watch movies and stuff like that, there's not like every single person doesn't have a unique voice um, necessarily. Right. So it's okay if like all of your, all, all of your characters sound the same that are just like there for just a little bit of time. So that was great. Alana, you're crushing yeah, this. You're crushing this. <laughs> a plus. Yay. <laughs> That makes my overachiever feel really happy. <laughs> you can get, you can expect a plaque in the mail in six to eight years. Um, <laughs> so give me, give me some of your best tips and tricks that you wish someone gave you. If someone, if you had a personal mentor that could have sat down and said, Alana, this is exactly what you need to do. This is how you DM here are the tips and tricks this is going to get you through. And you had all that, all that advice and sage wasn't given to you before you DM'd. Well, now that you've done that, what do you have for people who are still outside that screen looking to get in? Um, if there's anything different than we've already said. You're killing me trying to pull extras out here. Um, <laughs> That's I what just, I do. <laughs> it's going to be a little repetitive, but it came from my players again. And it's just a bit repeat why we went through a module is I had a hard time figuring out the difference between like, how do I spoon feed a story versus giving them the answer to an encounter, or like giving away too much of the surprise, which is another reason why I liked the module is it kind of like, it literally gives you script sometimes to be like, mm. this is the tidbit that they need to start with. Um, but if you're going to run a one shot, probably try and figure out how if they if they can't figure out why they need to go a certain direction or who is the like is the big bad really this big bad find a way that you're going to nudge them in a certain direction because that's one of the issues that I had early on is my players were so experienced that I didn't worry enough almost about pushing them through a campaign if they get stuck 
Uh, absolutely. I think that sometimes you can go all the the opposite direction, right? Like you in D and D communities, I hear this all the time. Is that like railroading is always a bad thing, and people are like, "Oh, you never want to railroad your players. You never want to like force them in to do something." But I think you know, kind of tagging onto that is sometimes it's appropriate, right? Like if they're absolutely stuck and, oh my God, my party does this all the time where they just want to talk to every single NPC. Uh, and it's all like, we we spent like three hours of a four hour session once just at, at a ball, just dancing and eating food because they just wanted to talk to everybody there. At some point at the DM, I'm like, this is great. You guys are having fun. This is, everything's funny. You guys, it's great. I'm going to make something happen that, pushes the players into back into the story right whether that's an interruption to the ball or whether that's you know the ball comes to a close or like there's a, a murder or something like that something like that pushes them back into the story because you got to do that your players if you don't give them any kind of control like any kind of like crowd control your players are gonna woof you'll go places <laughs> uh yes yes i have stories please tell me give me the stories okay um well we will go with the one where I used my college degree. So I was an international relations major and the most recent session, actually, my players were off to a logging camp and they were supposed to deal with like these pests at the logging camp, you know, make all of the the loggers safe, blah, blah, blah. And on the way, they had an opportunity to run into like a a hint into what a future encounter might be. I don't really want to give it away for anybody who's playing it, but essentially you run into a boar that is, I wish I remembered the name of the actual creature, but it's kind of like some like a tribal person. I don't want to use the word indigenous because that's not accurate. And at the same time, like kind of the point is that they're not, super highly intelligent so that's not really the right term either um but they they rolled correctly they ran into this creature and they interacted with with it in uh none of the options provided in the module (laughs) shocker so what ended up happening is they essentially brokered a peace treaty between this tribe that i had to make up um because there there was no like preset tribe session. So I just made up like six NPCs right off the top of my head um, and the loggers. And now they are like a, a pseudo UN kind of as a party. It's, it's great. I have no idea how I'm going to keep that rolling, but um, it, it should be interesting to see how that goes. They're like, okay, we're, we're going to check in on you. And if y'all aren't peaceful, stuff's going to go down. Okay, so we we went from like sunshines and rainbows back to murder hobo. The thing, all right, guys, pick pick a side here. Sounds so UN of you, like <laughs> to go from peace to murder hobo. Yeah, uh, that hey man, that's on them. I'm I'm just gonna sit here and make up names for elders of this tribe. Uh, that's really funny. I I love uh, first off, and it's really cool. So. Yes, your players are going off the rail in that moment. But sometimes it's fun to look back and you're like, that was just that was just that was pure creativity at play with coming up with a solution off the top of your head that led to the creation of this like council and NPCs right off the top of your head. And now you have this like new like thing that you have to problem solve for um to include into the module. 
and and keep it moving through the module so that so it's with the players now because the, since the players are bringing it but man it's the funnest thing and it's also like the thing that makes me like gives me the biggest headache because <laughs> then i'm like oh man you, listen i barely have time to prep for this session and now you're adding on all of this extra work <laughs> exactly how I feel except in the beginning that was probably one of the things that stressed me out the most um but now is some of my favorite stuff is like I said earlier like I'm I am not the author that is on them I am just here to provide an outline and character names so y'all do what you want to do with this story let's go um and actually we only stick to the script I guess maybe once every other session other than that, they are just derailing something. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a blast. That's a blast. I I love yeah. I I love D and D so much because and I and I said this on another episode is that every table's so different, right? So like, doesn't matter what table you go to, like you're gonna experience you could and that's why the modules are kind of cool in a way is that you could play the same module seven times at seven different tables and have seven different completely like completely different outcomes. Uh, yes. and experiences along the way. Even if the story ends the same way, potentially, like you're still going to have so many rare, like random experiences throughout that's, that are not the same. Yeah, and I actually don't read too far forward in the module because I don't want to know what the end is supposed to be. Because if I know that, then I feel like I'm going to limit myself, which will limit the creativity of my party. I think that's a fantabulous that's a word that just came out of my mouth. Uh, tip, and with, with it you just gave, and that's it for any DMs out there that are that are using modules to run games. Like, do what Alana do what Alana said. Alana's the wisest DM here. Okay, so <laughs> do what she said. She said, "Don't read ahead." So don't read ahead. All right, and then maybe you'll keep some of that mystery for yourself. Uh, but that's no, that's a really good tip. I feel like if I do modules, I feel like I would be the same way because I would I would do that. I'd read ahead. I'd be like, "Oh, this is how it's supposed to end," and then I'd be like, "Well." I need to be more railroady or more limiting and just be like, well, this, this is, we have to get the, to, to here. So. Part of that's also out of laziness, like too many words. No, thank you. <laughs> You're like, how long is this module? Like I signed up for one chapter. All right. I don't know. <laughs> this is a book. Sorry, this like 12 encounters. Um, no, thank you. I will, I will read like two, maybe three. Cause that's the number of choices they get. So. Uh, I love that. I love that. Um, well, awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to like share about lessons, you know, lessons from a newer DM, Alana, it's your, it's your episode. So is there any, any other tips or tricks that you wanted to share or any other things that you wanted to throw out there before we move on to our monster spotlight? I think you've pulled all the tips out of me, but I do know that we were chatting about a, a particular story with how they made their bag of holding. Oh yes. Uh, Alana, please. We're all just sitting around. You have everyone's attention preface this is not necessarily kindergarten friendly because my campaign is a bunch of derpy adults um okay so one of the encounters that you get to have is you go to visit this girl at a windmill and she gives you potions of healing right and the set attack is a manticore and there's something in there if i remember that if one manticore is too easy a mate will come so that's what happened because again, my players are apparently way too experienced to just get their butts kicked at level one. Um, so as they hear the screeching of the mate, so our first manticore was the male. 
Okay. And they hear this second manticore coming in. You know, some of them are pretty hurt. So our bard number one goes, I need to find a way to intimidate this female. So he's like, I want to cut off our deceased manticore's testicles. And I'm like, excuse you want a what? And then our fighter's like, yes, I help. <laughs> oh, God, of course. Guys. Of course. I'm like, all right, roll. Let's see if you're able to do this. Because, you know, manticores aren't small creatures. Right. They got it. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course they did. And um, so said bard number one, who's a half orc, just after they're severed, all bloody, takes them, shoves them over his half orc head and just starts wiggling them. He's like, I'm going to intimidate this female manticore by showing her the testicles of her dead mate. And I'm like that in my head. I'm like, okay, this is too easy. All it's going to do is piss her off. Right. That's yeah. how this is going to roll. And they, they still overcame the encounter way too easy. And then we finished the session and they all start going, can that be your bag of holding? Can, can that please be our bag of holding? And I'm like, great. So now as a brand new DM, I have to figure out how to turn a nutsack into a bag of holding. <laughs> I was like, great. Why, why am I such a fan of rule of cool guys? This is not, this is not okay. Um, oh my so gosh. I, I ended up transplanting a, uh, my character that I was playing from my friend John's campaign yeah. into this story as like an old man. So he's like up past his adventuring age, you know, level 20 character, blah, blah, blah. And he's a wizard. So I'm like, presto, magic. You have a bag of holding. And it actually has an intimidation feature on it. So any, I believe it's any creature with a challenge rating of zero upon viewing this bag of holding has to make an intimidation roll. <laughs> Voluntary or involuntary, you you let that like slip out of the side of your coat accidentally or something. They're making a roll. Have fun. Um, oh my gosh. Brokering peace. Now that they're all terrified of you. Uh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, yes, I agree though. I mean, listen, if I'm walking along the road and someone opens his cloak and there's out pops a manicore's nutsack, uh, a ball, like bag of holding, I'm probably going to be freaked out too a little bit and be like, all right, I'll roll an intimidate. I'm, I'm pretty intimidated right now. Like, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I would be. Are you kidding me? Walking down the street, someone's just like got a severed set of I don't care whose they are. I, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, no. is this Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> I will move to the other side of the street. Thank you. <laughs> this probably has happened in New York City. Um, so <laughs> everything weird happens in New York City. That's a great story. Uh, your players sound like fantastic players uh, and also uh, headache-inducing players, which is great. It's the great kind of player. <laughs> yeah, it, they're they're fantastic. It's, it's truly wonderful. Uh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for bringing those stories, bringing those tips, slaying the episode. Thank you for giving me a personal challenge of learning how to downhill ski while playing Magic the Gathering. I'm looking... I'm probably a Guinness World world Record, probably. Um, yes, absolutely. And so it's going to happen in the next 50 years. But let's go ahead and jump into our Monster Spotlight.
Welcome back to another Monster Spotlight. And this one is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I am actually pretty excited. When I was chatting with Alana before we recorded, uh, we were talking about like, well, what monster do you want to spotlight? And, uh, you know, Alana, what'd you say? I'm talking for you. So I'll just let you, I'll also let you participate in this conversation. My answer was, I have no idea. I was like, <laughs> the first thing that came to mind is like, well, I've got these really two really cool to NPC character ideas. Cause I'd listened to a session where you guys, I think were homebrew uh, monsters that you were using. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I, I don't even know what their final form looks like. So I, I can't even do that. So yeah, I, I basically, I was like, help me pick one. I don't know. And so what we came up with instead was I, a, a, we're going to call this monster, love it or list it. All right. And so I'm going to give Alana some monsters that are either homebrewed, not necessarily by myself. Okay. I don't want to, I just want, I don't want everyone to know I'm not trying to take credit for other people's work. All right. Uh, there was one that was homebrewed by me, but probably also by 15,000 other D&D players out there. So I apologize. But this one I actually created the stat block for. I'm going to talk a little bit about each of these monsters, why I think they're awesome. And Alana is going to rate them on a scale of one to 10, whether she loves them. Or she wants to list them, all right? And that means, yeah, out. Yeet them. Yeet the monster. It's either yeet or beat. That's weird. I don't know whatever the other <laughs> side of that is. And I don't know. You'll figure it out. But yeah. Are, As we am go. I going to keep it or are we doing a yeetichistoliticus here? Yes. So first one. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to start pretty basic. It's a CR4 creature. Uh, it's incorporal. And just so happens to be the monster we did a spotlight for on the, on the episode right before your episode. And it is the Banshee. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about why I love the Banshee so much. Uh, the Banshee is very, it's a, it's a lower CR creature that packs quite a punch. Uh, first, the question is, have you, have you ever used a Banshee? And has a Banshee ever come up on any of your sessions? No. Um, looking at your outline, I can tell you right now, I have never seen them, nor have I ever looked these up. So this is going to be great. Oh, perfect. This is even better. Okay. So a uh, Banshee has a, the, the, what makes him terrifying? And, and if you listen to the episode before this one, the, the, the DM there, Mike, he talks about his experience with using a Banshee and how he basically got a TPK from a Banshee that he threw at his party. All right. So all this to be said is I recorded with him on a Monday. Tuesday, I ran a session. I wasn't going to use Banshees, but he convinced me because he had such a great time with Banshees. And I was like, he was like, yeah, just throw them out. And so I did. I was like, all right, last minute, I threw some Banshees at my players, thinking my players are all level eight. And Banshees a CR4. So I threw two Banshees at him to make it interesting. It's considered a medium encounter. Not too, not too difficult. Banshees have this ability called Whale that they're allowed to use once a day. Uh, that if the players fail the saving throw, which is fairly low, it's a 13, it's a, it's a, it's a con save 13. If they fail that, they immediately drop to zero, he- uh, zero health points and they have to start making death saves. Uh, because it's a low DC and all my players are level eight, uh, I was like, this should be no problem. They come out, we have four players playing, they come out and immediately three of them fail their saving throw. And so three of them die or three of them not die, but three of them are unconscious making death saves. It eventually goes back and forth. It's a two hour combat thinking this combat's going to last like 20 minutes. It's a two hour combat going back and forth and players got 
they some some players got brought back up with like a like a health potion immediately went back down again they got a revivify off they brought someone back from the dead that person came up died again and it was just this like hot mess going back and forth and these banshees are they have so many they have so many immunities they have so many resistances because they're incorporeal so that's a banshee in a nutshell pretty terrifying with that whale what, what do you think where, where do they land on the one to ten i guess it depends how mad at my players i am it's fair well, we'll stick that one as like a solid six. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket for when they get real murder hobo and annoying. Problem is one of my players is very blessed by the dice gods and uh, he, he won't go down. He'll pass that that save every time. <laughs> hey, you know, it's it's all right because you have so many other ways. You have so many other ways to just really like do some damage, right? Like these the, the banshee first off the banshee what's nice is that you can you can throw them at uh barbarian to rage because they don't do any kind of slashing or piercing damage it's all it's all magic it's all magic damage it's psychic or necrotic damage which makes it even better because it, it's just a lot of fun okay so a solid six for banshees the next one i have for you on the list is called this is a homebrew monster not by myself called a band of gloom cloaks now gloom cloaks are homebrewed to be tiny little fae creatures that when they're perfectly still look like flowers. And so when you're looking at a field, like if you're in the fae wild, looking out over a field, you would just see a field of beautiful flowers in different colors. And then you wander into that field and you get savagely attacked by like hundreds of, of these swarmed gloom cloaks that just start stabbing you with toothpicks. Uh, and just like, like a, like a horror movie. Um, they're, but they're fairly low CR. Uh, so they're, I think they're out of all of this on the list. They're, they're weaker, but they're so adorable. I should have sent you a picture before we recorded. I feel like that you'd get the full, you get the full effect of how adorable these, these, these creatures are. So based off their door, their adorability alone and their tendency to just stab everything they see, love them or list them. Love it. Solid 10 out of 10. I'm I am incorporating that the instant I get a chance. Yes, yes. I will send you the I'll send you the stat block that I have. Uh, I got it. From, do you use D and D Beyond? I do. Okay, great. I built it in D and D Beyond because I took it from this guy who published it, and then I it wasn't in D and D Beyond, so I put it in D and D Beyond. So I'll send it to you so you can have it. Uh, best monster Perfect. though that I've ever used. Okay, so real quick, then let's move on to Hags. So Hags is another one of my favorite monsters. Uh, just any kind, any kind of Hag. There's so many different kinds. Volos does a great job outlining hags. I've used hags uh, in the very classic way of stealing children. I've My first campaign was centered around a hag, which they stole children, put them in, she put them in host, like hospital bed type things and just started like siphoning their life force out of them uh, in effort to then do something to the, I don't remember, to do something to the life force and put it back into their bodies and make her own coven. Because she, she was a covenless hag and she wanted a coven. So she wanted to make baby hags. That was her goal. She wanted to make baby hags. Could you imagine? It's really cute, though, to think about, like, this little miniature hag that's, like, blah, 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 just goes, like, running around. Anyway, right. I, maybe I just like tiny monsters. Maybe that's what we're just discovering here. But, they're, I mean, they're medium CR levels. They're great. They're e they're easy to use. They have they have ton of lore. That They're, like, the, one of the most lore-rich monsters out there in the D&D-verse. Uh, so, with hags, where would you, where would you uh, rate a hag? I'll give it an eight. Okay. It's, there's a lot of potential there. Also, a lot of places it can go wrong. Like as as a newer DM, I'm like, oh gosh, my first thought is 
this sounds fantastic. First of all, this sounds great. The, my second thought is how, how am I going to build this? How? how? <laughs> and then with, with the luck of my party, they're just going to go the other direction with it. Well, I mean, well, that's that's the cool thing about hags is that you can you can play up the non-combat side of it so well because you can get them to make a like a like a contract or a plea deal with this hag, uh, get them to like give their souls away as like a, like a contract of blood. Hags love contracts of blood. I mean, there's so many ways you can take it. So even if your players don't fight it, you can just really you can really just leave them with a lot of psychological trauma for a long time emotional damage emotional damage mean that just popped into my head <laughs> emotional damage is always the best kind of damage in D D, at least uh yeah, so yes. <laughs> all right the last one real quick is a homebrew monster that i made up for my players it was the slender man so it's not really necessarily an original idea but i built the slender man in D D, and i gave him a slender children army so he had a bunch of little children with him that he had turned into little miniature slender beings and they haunted my players. Uh, particularly, they, he latched onto one of my players and gave him nightmares for for many a session before forcing him to encounter. And I had to make him, my player had to make a wisdom saving throw every single time he had a nightmare. And he failed it a few times. And if he failed it, he got up and started sleepwalking towards the lair of the Slenderman and just would not, no one could stop him. And he was slowly being turned into like a slender creature. It was disgusting this thing was like 15 feet tall it could like bend back it was like a weird gymnast uh it could like bend fully backwards its face was just like had a white mask on his face uh his the children would blow up and just like do tons of damage and then you're left with like do i hurt a child like now i have to deal with that trauma of like there's a child facing me what do i do with it and it was just a, a really fantastic creepy time pretty high level cr uh, so what do you think about the Slender Man? What do you, do you think that's a love it or list it? Absolutely love it. This, this is going into my next Friday the 13th or Halloween campaign, or maybe, you know, once they actually get to an appropriate level, I'll throw that into, um, this, that is brilliant. So send me another link. Okay. I'll send you another link. I, I love it. I love, I love monsters. So I have a whole plethora of just like terrifying beings that I love throwing at my players. But okay, awesome. Well, there we go. We did it. So Banshees, a six, Gloom Cloaks, a ten out of ten. Hags were an eight. Slenderman was a love it. It's like uh, when you order when you order at Coldstone. It's like, uh, like it, love it, gotta have it. That's the scale. I yeah, there it. you go. <laughs> like it, love it, gotta have it. Tra not trademarked, so don't don't look it up. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for indulging me talking about monsters, because I love talking about monsters and and rating the monsters. Uh, I will take your feedback into consideration and I will no longer do Banshee. I ever play a Banshee because they were lowest on the list. So that's what. Oh, come on. <laughs> Don't do that. It's just because they intimidate me. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Well, let's go ahead then and move into our DM tip. So what tip do you want to leave us uh, leave? Okay, hold on. What tip would you like to leave the episode on as we, as we wrap things up? More tips? Come on, you're killing me. I know. Uh, have fun. That's it. Okay. Don't Great. stress. Have fun. And that's the show, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate it. Uh, 
<laughs> that's it. <laughs> Thanks. The the simpleness of that though, I I I really do love it because sometimes it's very easy to overthink and constantly just feel like, you know, you have to be at a certain level or whatever. But at the end of the day, I always say this, if D&D, if at the end of the day equals having fun, then, then that's all that matters. It doesn't matter your skill level, doesn't matter, like anything else in the game doesn't matter as long as everyone's having fun. Yes, agree, 100%. Have fun or don't play D&D. That's what basically we're saying. All or nothing. All or nothing, guys. All right, listen, that's the, that's the rule. Well, anyway, it's been a lot of fun. Anna, thank you so much for joining me over this last hour as we talked D&D. I'm a huge nerd, so anytime I get to talk D&D with anybody, I have a great time. But you you were amazing and had lots of awesome uh, tips to share. Um, so before we take off, before that goodbye happens, I'm going to throw it over to you for any promotions you might have uh, or any way to contact you or anything like that. Throw it out there. What do you got? Oh, gosh. Thank you. Um, so my friend Seth and I are actually starting our own podcast eventually. It's going to be called Fizwix Counseling, two Zs. Um, so when we get that launched, definitely check it out. I've already made an Instagram for it. So if you really want to go to a page that has nothing on it, there's that. And then since this D&D podcast is so fantastic, and obviously anybody who's going to listen to it wants more, my friend John also does one, I believe it's called Dimensions Door. So check that out too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah. I've been on John's podcast. It's a great time. They do a great job over there. I'm excited to check out Fizwix when you get it launched up. I list a, a fun fact about me. Love going to empty, empty Instagram pages. So we'll, we'll uh, put that handle out there so that anyone else that's like me, that's weird can just go look at an empty Instagram page. It's great. I, I can't even say it. Empty Instagram. Instagram <laughs> is that's the name of the app. Uh, but Elana, it's been such a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I uh, look forward to any future conversations we might have. And I, I hope you have a great rest of your week. You too. Thank you. This, this was great. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Everyday Dungeon Master. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we would love it if you would give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you're feeling extra nice, drop us a rating and a review, as that helps the show grow. And if you decide to leave us a five-star review, we will give you a shout-out on a future episode. As a reminder, we have our holiday donation challenge going on right now. We are asking our listeners to go pick up a copy or two of the D&D Starter Kit and donate it to the holiday toy drive of your choice so that kids who are less fortunate have the opportunity to discover D&D and the joy it brings to all of us who play the game. As a bonus, if you donate and send us an email at everydaydungeonmaster@outlook.com, letting us know, we will give you a shout out on a future episode. If you're a DM or a player and you want to drop a future topic suggestion on the show, you can definitely reach out to me. I'd love to hear from all of you at everydaydmpod and at everydaydungeonmaster@outlook.com. With that said, I wish you all the natural 20s in the world. Have a great week. And I look forward to sharing another amazing episode of Everyday Dungeon Master with you all next week. Happy gaming, nerdy adventures.